Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, welcome to episode 87 of Another Woodshop Podcast, where we are nursing one heck of a Duresta hangover. Oh. After you uh, ride that high, uh, everything is just, life's got the volume d- turned down on Everything's it, downhill right? from Air here. of the Duresta. Yeah. Although I will tell you guys, I have, I have a perfect cure-all, perfect cure-all, two raw egg yolks, salt, yolks? pepper, hot sauce, three episodes of Shop Sounds, and a little bit of bay leaf. <laughs> yeah. It'll cure any hangover. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of shop sounds, if you'd like to be a Patreon of another Woodshop podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash another Woodshop podcast. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all the patrons. You guys are the best. We love you a long time. Guys, I think it's very important that we don't forget where we've come from. And that's our roots. Last week, we didn't do our review segment. And... I think we were worse off for it. So let's get into our reviews right now. Oh, Black Betty. Ram, lamb. <laughs> so good. Um, also, Dan doesn't know it. Well, Dan's going to do a little announcement later, but I've got a new sound clip for something, for another segment. <sighs> oh. A turning segment, and it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. I am very excited anyway, for that. Let's get into uh, the reviews. There is two, I think. I don't think we read this one, but this is, from, this is a five-star, of course. That's the only... Rating allowed. This is from JHV Woodworking. When I started to listen to this podcast, my nips started to hurt. Is that normal? I don't know why, but I thought that it was... I wish I had that available on the screen right now. Uh, But I thought that if I continued to listen to it, it would go away. Nope. They hurt even more. Ow, my nips. The rating of the (laughs) podcast is still broken. I submitted a 132nd star review and it automatically changed to five stars. Great podcast. Continue the great work. Oh, thanks, JHB. That was really sweet. I hope your nips get better. Uh, This next one. (laughs) Pray for his nips. This next one's from Sean Lincoln. Yeah, five stars. It's actually rated five out of five ethnic sandwiches. This guy goes deep. Uh, Sean Sean from Westbound. From Westbound Woodcraft, AWP is my new drug of choice. Westbound As soon as a new episode hits the streets, (laughs) hits the streets, I'm tripping truck nuts. (laughs) I take, (laughs) I take on, I take a ride on a magic DDW DDWW bow tie through the sky of Mike Coffee beard shaped clouds and land on an outhouse in New Jersey where I poop with Pete. This guy gets it. Uh, if you want to taste, it. if you want to taste sounds and smell colors, go to your local neighborhood podcast dealer and get you some pure uncut AWP. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, Good it's stuff, pure uncut Colombian AWP. Get it right. <laughs> yeah. Oh geez. Okay. Well, oh, that was great. Our, These guys uh, get it. That, they get it. They get us. If you want to leave a stupid, I mean, lovely review Insightful. that makes no sense. Insightful. <laughs> Uh, review you can go to, uh we're actually you can only really do it on itunes we know other places do have reviews but we don't actually know how to find and we those. value those as well but <laughs> won't read them right due to contractual yes. obligations with apple contractual uh, obligations <laughs> no yep. big thanks to you guys for getting those reviews in uh we're glad to be back with reviews my favorite they are segment. An essential part of our show 
and we can't do them without you. So big thanks to you guys. <laughs> um, you know, and of course, we kind of had a truncated one last week with Jimmy on here, but we didn't really get to go into what's on our bench. And I can't remember mine. So I'm going to have one of these guys go first. But before any of that happens, we have to hear the beautiful song, the dulcet tones of Daniel Dunlap singing this. What's on my bench? Amazing. You've done it again. They said it couldn't be topped, but somehow you wrote an even better song than last time. It's incredible. We're all proud of you. I don't, so I don't anyway, know what to say. My audio just caught up. A little bit. <laughs> it, it was a little delayed for a sec, but it's my okay. St- my stupid Siri keeps picking up on me, and I'm going to punch it in the mouth. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't doing have it on a mouth. Would that be on you? abuse oh, of some sort? I don't think so. Not yet. Give it 20 years, and it will be for sure. <laughs> I say and more I like five it. years. <laughs> uh, you think five years <laughs> punching a computer is abuse? Okay. I think you might be right. Oh, God. I used to have to hit it to make it work better. Remember when you had to blow in it? <laughs> I just don't. Remember, remember when you had to put a blanket over it? Dan, how was your week? Tell us about it. <laughs> I got my that uh, I got that Z desk done and delivered, and it looks phenomenal. You know, at it least that's what I think. I'm pretty biased. It does look phenomenal. <clears throat> phenomenal. It looks. Phenomenal. I think it looked great. It's like the backpack blower incident. <laughs> you weren't in the pre-show. You don't understand. Um, I got that done. I got a lot of bow ties. I'm now offering zebra wood bow ties. Hey yo, hit me up. Uh, that's Z-Jobs. that's kind of it. Although I did uh, the, so the desk client. It's the same client that orders everything for me. It's the only client that I have apparently. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the next project for them, and they want to do a live edge table and some other things. So. I went and visited my friends over at the Rustic Lumber Store here in uh, Nebraska, and I picked up two Ooh, Zach! two monkey pod slabs. Monkey pod. That's a thing. Hmm. They they look gorgeous. I am so pumped. It's beautiful wood. What is monkey yeah, pod? It is it's a, a wood, wood from Hawaii, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Mm. How's that spelled? Hawaii? Yeah, there's a, there's a random comma or something in there. I don't know. <laughs> An upper comma? Upper comma. <laughs> Each I has two dots above yeah. it, like a German O. Yeah. There's <laughs> another little loud. O above the O. It's weird. Um, <laughs> That's just an eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. It's been uh, this guy numbers. Been, been all, it's Dan, been fluff, all the it's been fluff. all the things. I, there's nothing to fluff. He doesn't need to. I don't know what to fluff. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how to fluff. I don't know how to when fluff you were my here life. In Jersey, <laughs> Pete, you go. Sure, why not? Uh, so this week I've been working on some commissions, and I got a bunch of holiday orders for cutting boards, which I wasn't really announcing that I'm doing, but somehow people got word of it, and uh, they're hitting me up. So next week is cutting board week, which is super exciting, and. I actually went into my lumber shed this morning and I realized I'm pretty well stocked for holidays for like the next couple months. I have a very good amount of walnut. I've picked some stuff up over the over COVID happening and stuff uh, for some good deals while people are cleaning out their shops. So I'm pretty well stocked. That's good. So I don't have to, you know, go buy lumber and really um, get nipped in the butt 
with the prices right now because around here it's it's pretty bad. Uh, so that's exciting. I'm uh, currently wrapping up the uh, the tabletop. So Dan is building a base for a desk. I'm building just a top, and then we're going to meet in the middle. We're going to meet somewhere in Pennsylvania or Chicago. That would not and be in the middle. Shy town. Now Shy-town they didn't want to do walnut. They want it, and I'm literally quoting the customer here. But they wanted dark brown wood, but they wanted ash because that's well. They wanted hardwood, and I was like, well, here's what it is for ash and stain, and here's what it is for walnut. And they're like, yeah, we'll take the stained ash. I was like, oh, I can't. I don't want to stain. So you guys recommended um, Rubio chocolate. You can bleach it. My first ass. time using Rubio, it is outstanding. I love it. It's it, First of all, it doesn't smell awful. Um, it goes on Great. really nice. It absorbs super evenly. <clears throat> and um, I'm going to be using it probably a lot in a future. Now, I do have uh, one thing coming uh, the maintenance oil, I had a couple of people recommend it to me, and I also saw Mark Spagnola's video. He uses it as an extra coat. Now, it's a maintenance oil. It's really for high-traffic areas, because obviously this is a this is a floor finish, again, hard wax oil. So um, I'm excited to try it on something uh, around the house and then see how I'm going to be applying it in the future. I don't think this tabletop needs it. It's pretty durable. It looks like I was kind of like, oh, is this going to be enough the first like day or so? And then 48 hours later, I was feeling that one side that I finished, and it felt done. It was great. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, aside from that, I, I'm going back and forth with another client that wants a bunch of CNC work done. Uh, so we were meeting up next week to try to figure out kind of the logistics of it. Uh, I had to call about a dozen lumber yards to find one-inch Baltic birch plywood um, because that's what they require. Well, they require 24, Dan earmuffs, uh, 24 millimeter instead of 25.1, which is it's not real. one inch. It's whatever. It's one inch, uh, blurry. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, it's one inch plywood, Baltic birch. It's $214 a sheet for a four by eight sheet. It's insanely expensive. But if this job happens, it's going to be several <laughs> of those sheets getting used up. So that's going to be pretty great. Uh, but I'm going to have to invest in some, um, one inch is 25.4 uh, millimeters. 4.4. Thank you, Dan, for double-checking the Oh, math. I didn't double-check it. I was... just hit me. Just, oh, it did. You just know... I do, know actually. Metric I had to convert it all the time oh. in my old job. Oh, so you're not... Photography. A hater. You're just bitter from your That's old it. job. Nailed it. <laughs> That's what it is. Stupid old job. So, stupid, stupid, stupid old job with stupid machines and MDF. So, I'm pretty stoked for that. Hopefully, that job happens because that could... Um, make or break the holiday season or not break but it could double make the holiday season uh, and speaking of the holiday season it is picking up um etsy's starting to blow up i officially started offering international shipping on all of my stuff and already got a couple sales so ooh, i actually talked Petri's to dan worldwide like, yeah i just charge yeah you, dan just offers 25 bucks plus than five dollars per whatever per additional item for international shipping and that covers most of his stuff and the the um bow ties are about the same weight as what i'm shipping so that yeah just for i'm only doing that for, for smaller items not the bigger bigger you don't items. Use yeah the not listing any of the big stuff what's up you don't use the international shipping calculations on etsy no I, it's a flat well because i charge etsy, a flat rate it gets a little yeah <laughs> etsy gets a little complicated when because here's the thing you have to enter I've the weight and size it. and everything for each item 
Uh, which for me it differs because I offer so many very like variety packs, so each one differs and it'd be a lot of work to get set up. Uh, plus I offer a certain flat rate to Canada, so free US flat rate to Canada, and then now I'm doing flat rate to international. Whatever I'm offering it, I don't need to sell a bunch to international, but traffic's already picking up for the holidays. It feels really good because I could use the extra uh, income coming in for some um, future purchases. And the last thing I'm kind of running into is an issue is I'm. I need to weatherproof or, you know, temperature proof my insulate my shop, the uh, attic that's above it, the the loft, whatever is that has no insulation. So I need to put in new insulation in the ceiling. The walls have no insulation, and the garage doors are. If I'm outside, like I was outside my garage tonight, and I saw light peeking through the garage doors, that's unacceptable. The problem I'm really worried about is if it was cold. That's one thing. But I have a water-cooled spindle, which I'm going to be converting to um, coolant. And then I have a water-chilled laser. And if that laser tube gets too cold and, and the freezes, lasers, it's going to just crack that thing. And my laser is The laser sitting right by the door, so, too, right? Right by the door. So uh, I was talking with, with Emma. We might actually just, <clears throat> again, to quote, or call out Spagnolo in this, just insulate that entire door. Just, like, leave it closed for the winter. Um, just, like, close that one section up just to keep it a little warmer. Um, but I don't know where I don't think it's going to get that bad. Last night I got into the thirties shop stayed at 45. Have you thought about just like throwing a blanket degrees. on it? I have. Um, but you know, I'm a little worried cause like that's with that laser tube. That's a little delicate. I, I've seen some crazy posts on the Facebook groups with other laser people that do not insulate their shops and I would hate for that to happen. So, but that's my week. It's just a lot of uh, maintenance stuff and fishing up this table and getting it out I'm kind of in the same mindset as Mike. Like, I need it out of my shop so I can work on other stuff. Um, but Mike, what's on your bench? Uh, week's kind of weird. Um, getting electrical ran. I just don't have any of my tools still. So electrician can't. Well, I'll start with my week. So my son turned five, which is awesome. He's a big boy. And uh, we had a party for him last week. And the party ended up being uh, a big kager. Both in. Yeah, we just just a, it was like a Tony Montana over there. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. And no, we uh, my wife had invited related people. related to I, Hannah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hannah Montana, his his niece. No, uh, we, and Joe. <laughs> it's the best we, of both worlds. My wife and I had both kind of separately invited people, and before we realized it, there was thirty people at my son's birthday party uh, for, for on Saturday last weekend, and that was uh, the most people we've seen in a long time. You know since covid i mean it was we had 30 people over here and we're we were like oh <laughs> good thing we got 40 burgers you know for like we were like oh this is a lot of food so we were i was cooking and we were, it was just a great time we had two fire your blackstone we, yeah i had the blackstone loaded with burgers and i had the the other grill my whole i've got another full-size like 40 inch grill that was loaded with veggies and stuff but we had the big fire pit going down by the christmas tree farm and we had the small fire pit going up by the house and it was just super nice people were going back and forth having a good time it was really cool but uh uh, I have been working on, I'll go into th- two kind of long stories. So this cedar table, I've talked about it before and I haven't really gone into all the issues I've had with it. Uh, I guess I have, but, um, basically it came down to, I was trying to use a water-based finish and the water-based finish wasn't jiving with the high acid level of the sap in the cedar and it failed on me twice. Um, and then the customer ended up changing it. Uh, what they wanted for the table. And I ended up spraying spar urethane. <coughs> and uh, that actually just finished drying two days ago. And I think I sprayed that early last week. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was 
It was crazy how long it took for that to – because you know how you get that glossy, like the high sheen parts where it's like not fully dry? That high sheen in spots went away just like the other day. So that was about a week of of just dry time. Uh, But that ended up looking really great. And I used the Helmsman spar urethane. And, man, that stuff sprayed great. They make great mayo. True that. Yeah. It was really great. Uh, I think it's I think it's the base, same recipe, really. But the, uh, <laughs> the, the it sprayed great. And that it, also dries it, in a week. <laughs> it looked really, yeah, it looked really great. But you gave man, me the greatest idea. <laughs> oh, good. Oh God, no! Oh, Is this going to be like video. the butter video? Yes. Dan's going to run mayo through his mini mite. <laughs> uh, Just. Your Fuji spraying mayo. Oh my gosh! But on a sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, like <laughs> oh no, I had no. That's another idea. I like that. Oh god, what have I done? Oh, it was going right into Dan's I'm mouth sorry. with the mayo, wasn't it? <laughs> You're gonna put a 1.8 tip on that thing and spray mayo right in your mouth with you. <laughs> He's gonna drill out a hole so it's bigger. No, I was thinking of finishing a cutting Mike, board uh, with mayo. Mike, back to you before we Anyways, get canceled. So. um... The finish ended up looking great. I hadn't sprayed a solvent-based finish in a really long time. Man, is that a stark difference from all the water-based stuff I've been spraying. Spraying, Holy cow, that that stuff was strong. My shop smelled like that that smell for a good five days. Um, but anyway, it ended up working out great. So I had another table I was doing. <laughs> and uh, I want to open this with have good relationships with your vendors as much as you can have a good relationship with your vendors because it's really important. So I have been using target coatings for a lot of projects for the last few months. Like, well, not few months, but like since the beginning of the year, since I got my Fuji. And um, so long story short, due to supply supply chain constraints, I had bought some finish from them earlier in the year and they had some raw materials that weren't jiving well. And basically, the shelf life on the products were not lasting. Uh, I had some product that wasn't lasting more than a few months. I had laid down – I was doing this boomerang table this week. I had laid down some white pigmented lacquer on this table. And the pigmented lacquer laid down beautifully. Like, it looks really good. It's dead. I laid down uh, three coats, sanded that back, and then put two more coats over that. And it felt like glass. The problem hit when I went to go lay down the lacquer – uh, the lacquer had essentially expired, uh, and it should have a two-year shelf life, but it ended up only having a few months on it, and that was because of uh, some issues with the raw materials they were getting. Um, so I reached out to Target Coatings, and the guy over there, I don't know if he wants his name given out or not, but uh, the guy I deal with over there, he's the owner. He's a great guy. He has a lot of pride in his company, and he's got great product. Uh, you know, He started working with me right away. They started running tests on the products, and they got to the bottom of it right away. So, um, I went from doing that cedar table that I had nonstop finishing issues on, um, to this other table that I had nonstop finishing issues on, uh, and they were completely separate issues. Neither one of them had to do with each other. Like one was because of, I was using a water-based finish over a cedar that could handle it. Um, and then the other one was because I was using products that had expired essentially, or didn't have a long shelf life, but target coatings has taken care of me. Um, it was a huge setback. It was a frustrating thing, but I'm glad we were able to get to the bottom of it really. Uh, because now we know I was going crazy. I thought it was me. I was, I had cleaned my guns, but I tried both my guns. I tried running everything through my guns. I cleaned them with water and soap. 
I cleaned them with acetone multiple times. I mean, I, I honestly resprayed this table probably eight times. And you can do that with water-based finishes because that stuff dries really fast. Like over a three-day period, I refinished this table multiple times. And, uh, you know, try to have good relationships with your vendors because you can kind of, like if I didn't have a good relationship with him, I don't know that he would have worked it out with, well, knowing him, he probably would have worked it out. But I don't know how it would have worked out. But I also wouldn't have had like a personal relationship with him. And I probably just gotten mad and been like, I'm not using this product anymore and walked away. And I think ultimately in the long run, I'm glad I didn't do that because I do like his products a lot. Like I really do like Target Coatings a lot. They work for my shop really well. So, um, you know, it's kind of given me like some ground. I was telling Dan, Dan and I were talking about this and I was telling him like, you know, if, if I had a problem with one of my products and my customer came to me and I was explaining it to them. If they had just gotten mad at me and walked away, I'd be pretty bummed out. So I'm trying to go. Yeah. From, from one small business to another, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, as <clears> it's a, I mean, he's a small business. This isn't like I went to Walmart and, you know, the Target uh, coatings the, the Target called me a fatty or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go to Target. Yeah. I didn't like, it wasn't something like that where like a big conglomeration. I mean, this is a small business, you know, I like to support small business. So, um, you know. I've got more product coming in and I'm going to keep using the stuff. So uh, I'm sure it'll everything will get lined up and fixed on their end and we'll be good to go. So that was what I've been dealing with this week. I haven't even shared that story on Instagram because <clears throat> honestly, it was very frustrating. I was very mad. Uh, I went from one table I was having problems with to another and I, it was making me question my ability to do finish work. And I was like, I'm doing this right. I know. I knew I was. I knew I wasn't doing it. And it was really making me question myself. Um, and I, I, I went through everything I could think of that I that to try to figure out what was wrong with why this was happening on my end before I reached out to them because frankly it was embarrassing to reach out and be like hey I got another table it's jacked up you know and it was it was it was frustrating it was a really frustrating weekend for me I felt like a real failure so on one hand it sucked that it happened it really sucked that it happened but on the other hand it kind of felt good that it wasn't my fault <laughs> on the other hand I was like okay this is the product's fault I was able to narrow down I tried everything I could to see if it was me everything that I knew everything in my power to try and then finding out it was the product was actually kind of a relief <laughs> as still frustrating as and costly as it was for the job uh, it was a relief to know that I did know what I was doing and that sometimes the product fails so just kind of keep an eye on things like that so that was that's what I did that was one of the things I did this week uh, the other thing I've got going on is um, what's up Dan I was going to say I, I was having difficulty too. I forgot all about it. And as is tradition, I'm oh, going to yeah, like go jump in and be like, hey, by the way, I'll yeah. jump into my by the way, I had finishing problems too. We were actually talking back and forth that same day. <clears throat> Forgive me. My voice is still a little uh, <clears throat> scratchy from the rest of the rest of hangover. The rest of yeah, I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure out what the heck was wrong. I was trying to spray that desk base with lacquer and my Fuji sprayer. And it was just, it was spitting everywhere. And I had cleaned the gun three times, at least with lacquer thinner. The first time I cleaned it, I left it in a, a tub of lacquer thinner overnight. So it would soak up and, you know, everything would be kind of dissolved. Break everything up. And that didn't take care of it. So I took it apart again and I scrubbed it with a brass brush. And man, I, I was fighting with it. Finally, I just, I threw in the towel and I went and bought some rattle can lacquer from Ace Hardware. I just... I was like, I got to get this done, and I was, I was like you. I had to, I had to sand off all the lacquer that was there because it was just so, it was garbage. It orange peely, orange peely, and because of the splatter, you, you could see like big drops and globs on there. Drops, yeah, it's yeah. just that sucks. It just didn't look good at all, and you know, you don't want to deliver crap to a Did client. Did you resolve it? 
Yeah, I sanded it all off and I went and bought uh, rattle can. No. I, I still don't know. Did you figure out what No, happened? I haven't I haven't revisited Do that. Do you think your lacquer just went bad? It may have, or I may have thinned it too much. I can't figure it out. I had my smallest oh. tip on there that I could possibly you usually do. Get I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I don't have anything smaller than a one point three on my Fuji. So I don't know. That's all I spray with is one point three for, for clear is one point three. Yeah, I've never I've never changed it. I have a one point eight for like paints, but I never use that. So Yeah. I've never, yeah. I, I would never even like think to use that one for the paint. Well, something thicker, something more viscous. You're gonna want a, a yeah, I guess, bigger yeah. tip. Yeah, you want the one point eight for like, paint, and I use like a one. I, if for, I uh, honestly, if I ever have to do paint, I'm just gonna buy a different spray. Anyway, yeah, I just I wanted to commiserate with you. I understand your plight a little bit. It was frustrating. I, yeah, for, it's frustrating. Yeah, man, it's frustrating. I bet your lacquer's bad, dude. Maybe I it's it, been sitting it's for a while. Bad. I haven't finished anything. It feels like forever, but it hasn't been like yeah. Six months, eight months. Months. Yeah, it's that's yeah, I mean, I go through period. lacquer pretty anyway, quickly. I think for me, yeah, you do. I mean, so I think for this that what this has really taught me is I'm really gonna start having control pieces before I spray any time. I'm always gonna mm-hmm. throw like a scrap panel in there just to spray it real quick and then give it about 20, 30 minutes to see how it's looking and then <clears> start my process. That's the thing. Sanding it back is humiliating. Yeah, it is it really is. It, it it's like a punch in the gut. But that's the thing. Like it would start off okay, but as I as I moved the gun back and forth, like it felt like it would collect inside the tip or something. No jokes. And as it collected in the tip, it felt like it would splatter and, you know. So, hmm, that sucks. That's anyway. so frustrating. <laughs> the other thing um, this week. So the power in my shop. <laughs> Pete's having a real hard the time. The power not in my shop. So Alexa. I, I mean, will I'm, trying to move on. I'm trying to move on as fast as I can here. Please, the, Mike, move on. The uh, the electrician showed up this week, uh, which was awesome. I'm really excited about that. We got all the conduit ran, all the conduits done, uh, going up the wall, going down the wall of my house, in the trench, over to the shop. Uh, he got the sub panel sh- set in the shop. Uh, we're going to run the wire Friday. And we'll probably set the new meter main on Friday as well. He might. He said if he has to come back Saturday, he will. So it will be done this week. That means I can call out for inspections. And then once inspections are done, uh, I can call out for power. I suspect you're going to throw a huge Mike finally has power party. Dude, I have <laughs> like – I've completely accepted that I'm not going to be having like – in a holiday Etsy numbers this month, like, or this year, I, I'm just kind of, I've got a bunch of corporate yeah, but, customers. But think of that, all the next jobs you're going to take on because of well, that. Well, yeah, I, I can't, like, I can't like take on the Etsy. Stuff. I have a bunch of corporate customers. I've got a bunch of, a bunch of holiday stuff on order right now already, and I can't even start it. And then we're taking the last week of December off. I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to have like three weeks of just nuts. It's going to be nuts in there when the power hits. Like, I'm going to be probably doing the power with my uncle for the long break for uh, Thanksgiving. My uncle and I will probably be in there getting that. Actually, we might be doing some of that this weekend. But anyway, the point is I, I've got like once the power's up, I'm going to have a few weeks to like get a bunch of stuff done. I've got I've got large orders of cutting boards. I've got one. Yeah, we're going to be at the I'm end of December right before you know it. Yeah, it's gonna be the, it's gonna be time for deliver. I mean, I, I've got one that's two hundred cutting boards. I've got another one that's forty, another one that's twenty, and another one that's fifteen right now, and it hasn't even like gotten to the real Jeez. crazy time yet. Um, and then I've got and then I've got my commissions. You know, I've got my commissions right now, and I just had a customer follow up with me 
who I wasn't going to be starting their table until uh, February. It's just two small tables, but he wants to try to do them next month. I'm like, eh, we'll see what happens. So, um, and then I've, anyway, it's just really busy. I'm just kind of trying to plan out right now. Um, trying to plan out the next few weeks. I just got to get my power going. It's really frustrating. So, uh, another thing is what else we got going on? I'm trying to remember what I did this week. Um, that's kind of it. I'm kind of babbling on. I don't want to go too long on my week. I kind of want to pull up Instagram to see what I did this week because I don't really remember because that's how kind of things go. Um, oh, I got my sander in place. Oh, I think I already had that. Oh, yeah, no, that's I had, right. Had my, got my sander in place. And oh, that boomerang table. So the boomerang table, all the problems with the boomerang table, uh, all the finish is going to be – it actually landed at my old house today. Uh, so we're, I'm going to go pick that up in the morning and I'll have that table finished and get that delivered to my customer uh, probably Friday. So – that's going to be really nice to get that one out of here too. So those will be two good wins. And I'm started today. I started on these uh, this customer of mine. I have a um, custom Sepele spa steps. I'm building for a lady. Um, that one's going to be a fun, quick build. I'm actually really looking forward to it. It's just going to be fun to knock it out. It's going to be a cool, fun build. And then I'm starting. Uh, I'm going to go buy the the mold. Well, the melamine to build the mold for that big redwood table. Because that's gonna take that so much gonna epoxy. Need a mold. Like it, it it's gonna just suck. It's gonna take so much epoxy. That is now gonna become my biggest poor table ever, just because of the cracks inside. Like the surface top isn't gonna have nearly as much exposed epoxy as that elm table did. Mm-hmm. But the it, there's so many horizontal cracks across the middle. It's gonna like soak into this thing. It's gonna be like forty percent epoxy this table. So it's gonna be an interesting one. Not my not my favorite, but my customer wants it, so that's what they're gonna get. But anyway, that's it for me for my week, uh, and that's it for all of us, I guess, for the week. So let's uh, let's jump into some voicemails. Our first voicemail is from one Mr. Adam Barnett. Adam, thank you for always calling in, buddy. Hey guys, Adam here from Barnett Custom Woodworks. So the holiday season is right around the corner, and if anybody else is feeling it like me, Etsy is starting to ramp up already. I'm doing. Almost what I was doing weekly, daily now, which is pretty awesome. But it got me thinking about, okay, this season is going to get slammed. Am I efficient? Do I have everything I need for shipping now? Am I going to run out of anything and not be able to ship orders? So I started stocking up on stuff, but I was wondering if you guys could share some tips and tricks that you guys do. I know uh, you guys are doing a lot more volume than I am. Do you have a shipping station? You know, is there certain things? I know you have like label printers and this and that. Like, share some of those tips and tricks with us so that uh, we can all get on that level. Thanks, guys. Love you long time. Bye. Pete. Um, so, I'll start with the last thing you mentioned, which is a label printer. I, for many years, was running on a Dymo label printer, which watching a video i don't know if you can see i have one of these it's a 450 turbo that's what it's called um it prints two by seven inch labels or two and a half by seven inch labels you can get through like sites like um i know pirate ship does it i think Shipner does it as well you can print longer labels but you you can't print international labels so my recommendation is get a label printer of some kind for your shipping labels um if you're making good sales or use this holiday as an excuse, like use some of that money you're bringing in to buy yourself a proper label because being able to just ship all your labels to what one printer, no matter if it's international or, or local or whatever, 
it's it's such a time saver. It really saves you so much time, and I highly recommend it. It's worth the buck thirty, buck ten, buck fifty, depending on which model you go with. Um, and the labels that they come with will hopefully last <laughs> you the season. Hopefully not, actually. Hopefully they'll last. They won't last you a month, and you're selling a lot. Um, aside from that, get some boxes. Uh, I was for years sending stuff out with whatever boxes I had laying around. Whatever, you know, I'd cut them up and cut them down to size, take off any other labels that were on there. Buy some boxes. Look, make it look somewhat professional. And, you know, you don't have to, but it's a. I think it, it looks really nice if you can get some boxes that are done nice. Slap a small sticker or label. Like, I use my thermal label printer as well, this Dymo, and I got one inch by three inch stickers that just say, it's got my logo and it says, thank you for your order. And it just like, you know, or your, your I'm sorry, your, it says your order is here on these new ones. So I just slap it on every single box that goes out. It's just a little bit of extra flair. And the last tip I'll have is if you're making any handmade items, like, like for example, cutting boards obviously are big sellers. Buy some boxes that might be slightly oblong size that might be like five by 10 inches or whatever that would fit a small cutting board and make the boards or make the item to fit the boxes that you can get very well and cheaply. Because then, you know, instead of making an item and then having to buy boxes that fit that item, do it the other way around. I bought a bunch of really cheap boxes, like stupid cheap, where they were like 60 cents, 70 cents. They were like 20 cents a pop compared to the other ones for around the same size because they were an oblong size and they fit some of the longer boards, narrower but longer boards perfectly and people love them and it looks <clears> hella <throat> professional when you send them out. So that's my three tips. Dan, You nailed you? it with that last one, buddy. Uh, make your products fit the boxes that you have. That is that is awesome. I, I I used to just make stuff willy-nilly and you know just be like, well, this looks good. But then you're stuck like, oh gosh, now I gotta put it in a box and I don't have this awkward box. So yeah, if you make your items fit the boxes that you have. So like I buy uh I think it's 13 by 18 boxes that are three inches tall. All my cutting boards from here on out fit those boxes. So and where do you get those? Boxes? I get those on Amazon. I get actually. mine from Uline and Staples. I, where do you, yeah, where I found Amazon? them cheaper on Amazon. I like a pack of fifty for like thirty-five bucks <coughs> or something like that. That's and uh, yeah, so uh, my bow ties, I make sure they all fit in a six by nine bubble bubble container wrapper thing, bubble envelope. Yeah. So yeah. Mailer. Mailer. Bubble mailer. There it is. Bubble mailer. Mailed it. Um. Label printer, Mailer, yes, label printers are key. For a long time, I was just doing printing labels on a uh, <clears throat> just a regular piece of paper, cutting it out, taping it to the package. You know, after a while, that becomes a huge time waster. Uh, Mike recommended I buy this one. He sent me a link to this. It was on sale. Saves me a ton of time and headaches. Now that Pete has figured out how to make it print correctly... It's uh, it's great, a fun and it's a uh, it's a thermal printer, so you never have to worry about it running out of ink. Oh, and if I could add one little thing, real quick, someone recently shared this with me, and it's brilliant. You can get color label printers for your thermal label printer. I'm sorry, color labels for your thermal label printer. So they're color; they they'll print in black and white because it's thermal, but the label itself's got some extra flair, and you can get them 
pennies on a dollar compared to getting like labels or stickers made at a company. Mm. You know, like we use sticker beat. I think we all use sticker beat. They're great. They have great prices, but you can do it even cheaper with a thermal uh, printer. So just a little tip there. But they don't have that nice peel here and get 20% um, off. Well, you're sticking it on there though. No, cause you're, it comes on a, I'm trying sheet. to talk well about Let's sticker. Beat. I thought it was, I thought it was a great point, Dan. Jeez, Mike, you go. <laughs> They're for on top of the boxes. Tell no, us your I, uh, tips and tricks. I'm not going to pair it. I'm not going to pair it back any of the other things. Uh, there's a reason my templates, when I used to sell templates, when I had a, a shop with power, there's a reason my templates are only 19 inches long, unless you order a custom one, then the price changes, because I order 20-inch long boxes for them, like the guy said. Order boxes for the product you sell. It looks like you are running an adult company. It doesn't look like some dude, which... That is what it is when you're just cutting up boxes and slapping them together and mailing out stuff. Although there's something to say for reduce, reuse, recycle. I I mean, you're trying to do... If you get boxes that fit exactly what you're using... Yeah, I I understand. I'm trying to... Yeah, I mean, definitely if you've got... I mean, if you've got a bunch of boxes laying around, don't just try not to toss them out. Use them for like extra packaging. You can use them... You can cut them up and use them as like padding for your your other boxes. Uh, That's one option. But... um, I won't pair it back that stuff. Have a shipping area. That's what I'm working oh, yeah. on now. I wish I had the setup oh, Pete has. Right, yeah. um, oh, the, the, I got a whole the shipping area. And Pete it's has is so just nice. bonkers. I want that system so bad. Um, but I've got all my shipping stuff. Everything is set up in our garage over here, which is separate <clears> from my shop. Ultimately, I like it in the shop. But right now, I can't have all that stuff in there. Because I do. I have lots of different size boxes that I keep in stock. I get mine from Uline and from Amazon. Uh, Uline has the best boxes. Sometimes I can get a better price for Am- from Amazon for boxes. I have had the most fail rate on boxes from Amazon compared to Uline. But if you can find a boxes that for cheaper on Amazon, it's usually worth it. I haven't had like I bought like cup uh, boxes for my tumblers that I do the engravings on, and the ones from Uline are the same size and they are they just feel a lot better. The ones from Amazon, they feel kind of cheap but for the most part i have pretty good have had really good experiences with the amazon boxes that i've gotten so that was one of the worst experiences i had but i just i can't even really use them but um but the uline stuff is is really good and the amazon boxes are typically really good as well also um what's the matter dan max oh did he drop yeah he dropped hey you dropping bombs get out of here go he he carpet bombed you (laughs) no um but yeah, the, have that dedicated <laughs> shipping. When area I get when it's when it's when Etsy. I get when it's when it's Etsy time. I mean, usually, typically, these things are not so big that you can't just load them up in your arms and take them to your shipping center or your shipping area and then pack do it all in one shot. Uh, I find that I like to build all my stuff and it, when it, whenever it's busy Etsy time, I build all my stuff and at the end of the night, I take it all to my shipping area and I package it all up. And then I get the labels on there. And it just it's a fun process. I actually enjoy that process. So uh, have that shipping area. Have the right size boxes. And um, I am totally stealing the thing Pete does with the uh, little note on the box. Like uh, your order's here. Uh, I, I bought one by three labels. My label printer that I have, which Pete and I actually have the same one. Uh, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I looked at Dan's and Dan's oh. will do the same thing. You can run like seven or eight different size labels through it. Yeah. And it will print them. And mine, I know, auto detects. 
I actually just ran a print. Mine just has my logo on there and it says, thank you for your order. But that adds a lot. Like that's something I noticed early on when Pete would send me packages from his store. You know, it looks really professional. It's really good. Like it looks good. It's a nice little thing. Like, oh, here's a brown box. It says it's from Petrie's Workshop or Coffee Custom Builds or Daniel, whatever. But when it has like that that's on there, the other thing. I use sticker. white boxes that's yeah, I, I, on, on purpose. Uh, like, yeah, just the, Pete they, does that. I actually yeah. prefer the craft boxes for stuff. I, th- I that's the thing I like. But I understand Pete's reasoning for that is understood. It sets it apart. It does look really nice. Um, I found those boxes to usually be a little bit exp- more expensive, and I actually, yeah, and I, I actually personally prefer for my brand the craft boxes. Uh, so do the thing that. What I'm saying is, Pete does that, but he does it every time. It's consistent. So Pete has really, it's like always white boxes from Pete. It always looks like, oh, I see a white box. I have that little label on there. I know that's Pete's box coming to my house because he does a good job with consistent branding on that. So find out something, keep it consistent. Maybe throw a little label or a card in there or something. I always throw a sticker in there. Just little things like that. But the efficiency stuff, you're just going to have to hit As far as the boxes go, first Um, impressions matter. It does. It really does. And when you open it up and there's not like an old t-shirt in there, like for the packaging, it's like nice packaging. <laughs> just, I really, I, I don't like plastic. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't really like what, like uh, plastic packaging myself. I just don't like it. I use all craft paper packaging for, I have like a craft paper crumpler. I bought one of those on Uline. I just don't like plastic. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm not like a, you know, uh, tree hugger type, but I don't like to see waste. Like I don't like plastic. I don't like to see the plastic trash waste. I don't like it. He myself. owns a Christmas tree so, plantation. He cares tree about plantation. the trees. <laughs> I do. I care about the. I care about that stuff. I, I'm mindful of it. Like I really don't like to use any plastic in any of my packaging. I actually just recently bought craft box tape that you have to physically wet. So I'm looking for a wetting machine wow. for that. So it's like really heavy duty. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you don't have. To, I'm not going to run it over my tongue. Everyone's going to get a little coffee on it. Every order no, comes the, uh, with a little coffee. I guess I'm looking. Dan can fly oh. out and take some photos if you want. If you need a wet wedding photographer, <laughs> wedding photographer. <laughs> that, was, that was a stretch. Nice. That was no. That was good. That was that was like your rap joke earlier. No, uh, I can't remember what it was. Def Jam Records or something. Um, no, so there. Uh, I really like keeping it the craft color the craft brown color and i like it not having plastic involved that's something i'm trying whatever to whatever it is consistent do consistency. Just be consistent yeah that's all that matters yeah do you i, I um, mean I, I have friends that do uh just biodegradable everything that's and they pay extra for it that's their thing they refuse to yield like that's what they do and but just be consistent it's great that's where i'm at yeah. uh this next question is from jake miller Hey guys, it's Jake from A Sweet Shop and A Sweet Idea on Instagram. And uh, just wanted to call in with a question about uh, shop relocations. So um, so the cat's out of the bag. We are moving to Florida. Um, it's gonna, I'm going to have a much larger shop that's uh, going to be way better suited for long term uh, for the business, which is going to be awesome. However when we're moving 350 miles, um, we're more or less kind of starting over and starting from scratch. So kind of knowing what you guys know now, as far as, uh, how you operate your business and everything, um, you know, what would you guys do to, you know, get up and running and get a client base that's relatively local, um, 
in a complete new area um, as far as starting over. So be interested to hear what you guys uh, have to say. And uh, thanks for uh, a great show as always, guys. Dan, I'm going to throw great, it to you first, great, of course. Great. So I don't know. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll go. Do you want to go? I got, a, I got a few nuggets of information. First of all, I nuts. haven't switched shops yet. I, I'm currently looking for a new shop. I feel like everybody's attacking me and rubbing it in my face. <laughs> and I kind of I kind of hate everybody. However, if this is Dan's if reaction, to I were moving shops and it was going to be across country or something like that, totally out of out of the market that I'm in into a new market. If I had a website, I would be changing the keywords on my website right now to get that SEO search engine optimization. Change all your keywords. Change your location. Start there, at least. That's all I got. Because otherwise, I wouldn't know. I haven't moved shops. And it doesn't look like I'm ever going to. I'm, I'm going to be here it's for good the rest stuff. of my life. It's, it's going to be awesome. Mike, you want to go? <laughs> good Lord. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I don't really... I mean, it's it varies widely for everyone's situation there, Jake. I mean, I'm not moving as far... Or I didn't move as far as you're about to move. That, uh, that would suck. That would really suck. Uh, I also have more tools to move than you did. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, Come on, I'm some still advice. Like, what, what are well, the growing I, the pains that is, you keep complaining problem, to us about? Go. The problem is, is I'm still, uh, I'm still recovering. Like I'm still not even done with the move, and I feel ineffective. And it's been a month to a month, and a, I don't even know how long it's been now. I feel like. I feel like every day I wake up and I walk out to my shop and I just get, look at things and I get frustrated because I, I have all these really great tools and I can't use any of them. Um, it's just very frustrating. So try to keep yourself in a good mental state during it because it's really stressful and it's going to be really hard on you. And uh, just 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 shut your business down. And don't try to hobble through stuff too much. Like really focus on getting it done. I've had like multiple people say to me, enjoy the journey. And like I want to like strangle them. Like this isn't enjoyable for me. Like not being able to use my shop sucks. Like there's nothing enjoyable about this right now. I really want to work really bad. And I'm always worried about – my biggest concern is losing the momentum. I'm really worried about losing the momentum. And I haven't really seen signs of that. That's just more of like fears in the back of my head, you know, coming up. But – um. I just want to get back to work really bad. And and what really sucks is the things are out of my control. So the one thing I am doing is when I have a day where I'm like, okay, I know for a fact I can't get a lot done today, I'll focus on something else. I think that's my best advice. Focus on something else that will help your business. So if you're not able to actually have your tools up and running for whatever reason, work on your website, work on your Etsy store, work on your branding, Work on something. Network. like Yeah, start reaching out to local makers. One of the biggest things that's helped drive my business Yeah, find local makers, but find all your suppliers. Learn who the managers are at these places. Get to know their name. I A lot of my business comes from people who buy from different places, and those businesses recommend me to build their furniture for them. Uh, That happens a lot for me. So um, go network. Go get to know people. Go find it. I know I think I've heard Jake say that like there's not really much in terms of wood supply around there. 
I feel like that's not accurate. I think that people don't quite understand. I mean, you might not have like a Rockler or a Woodcraft near there, but there's going to be a hardwood supplier and there's going to be a slab yard and there's going to be some or mills, a guy with a bandsaw out there. Yeah. So there's going to be some Sawyers out there. You're going to find stuff more than you think. Like I grew up in this area. I had no idea how many Sawyers there are in the area and how many live edge or reclaimed slab yards there were. Now that's, you know, a lot more prominent now than it was 10, 15 years ago, but they're everywhere out here. And I know Florida doesn't have quite as many trees, but I know they have some interesting species. Um, just, just be prepared that things are going to, you're going to have to focus on some different stuff than what you're used to. Just be prepared for that. Cause it's going to be tough. Pete. So, Mike hit on ahead with the. I'll start in a backwards order. So, as far as moving into a new area, Mike's right about all that. Reach out. I I did something. This is unintentional. I just happened to need to get a quote on something and was just calling up every plywood supplier in the area. And then I was grilling them on like, "Hey, what else do you guys stock? And what about this? What about hardwoods? Is it S four S? Is it FAS? So like, what like." You start talking to them and somebody's got – or go in in person if you can. Just start forming a relation, relationship and, you know, give them your name, talk to them a little bit, make a relationship, ask to get a tour of the yard if it's not one that you could just walk around and pick material. Um, I actually ended up forming some really good relationships with two yards around here. Now, they don't – they're not the most well-stocked, but I know what they have now and I know someone – I could call someone and be like, hey, Dan – not Dan, you Dan – Dan at this one yard like I'm looking for this like can you help me out I was there last week remember we talked so start that relationship the other thing is your neighborhood dude wherever you're moving just make it really obvious that you're doing stuff like I think that you know I was meeting people in my neighborhood and it's a it's basically one big loop and you know when I would start talking to people I'd be like hey and if you ever need any help with you know, like I do woodworking, so if you guys need any help with your furniture or whatever, or like if you need something made, let me know. Or I, I actually mentioned fabrications, like small scale fabrication. I'm like, I got a CNC and a laser engraver and a 3D printer if you need help. Like just kind of work it into the conversation because you never know when someone's going to be like, well, really? Oh, and then, or they'll mention a conversation and someone else will reach out to you. So that's that. Uh, the other thing is if you're doing posts on Instagram, um, or Facebook or whatever, you, you know, a lot of us tag locations. We made the conscious choice to not just post exactly where we live, but the area we're in. So, you know, post the county or tag the county, tag a nearby town or whatever, or tag the state. So people can still find you by location, but not necessarily like, I live in this town, you know, or whatever. If that's something you want to kind of keep off the maps, that's that tip. Um, anyway, wait, what was his, uh, first question? I remember the location one, but forgot the first part. Um, oh, moving tips. Oh, moving tips. Um, so this is something that Mike was getting pissed off about and I was throwing stuff in my shop and I'm not an angry person, but I was literally throwing things in my shop. You're not going to be the only person moving your shop. People are going to help you. You know what the worst thing about people is? They're not you. They're going to put boxes under boxes and in corners and in random spots. And you're going to be losing your mind because you can't find the one tool. Mike, what's up? You're, you're, I was going to say, well, so I was talking about the target coding thing. Something I didn't bring up that needs to be brought up is I had 
a bad gallon of urethane cum months ago. And that was something, it was a test thing that somehow got shipped out. That shouldn't have happened on their end, but it did. It came to me. We got to the bottom of that like six, seven months ago. That gallon of bad urethane, I actually had set aside to take to the hazardous material place because you have to take everything. I'm in California. California. You have to go to the the facility where you take hazardous material. You have to sign a form and you can do up to 15 gallons. So I do it all at once. I save all my hazardous material. Anyway, part of the reason why I had problems with that table, that boomerang and the cedar table was because that bad urethane got put into my good products by the people who were helping, all my friends who were helping me move. They didn't know. It said bad on it. I wrote bad on there. But they were just trying to help me. They were putting all their finishes together. And then the other thing is I'm missing like at least a box of stuff. I can't find my nice pair of Minotoil calipers, my crappy pair of Amazon calipers, and a bunch of other stuff that I use for the CNC. You're going to lose some stuff. So hopefully it's just small stuff. But that's what Pete was saying. But things are going to get messed up and just accept it now. 100%. And that's a great point. Like, is the people just putting stuff and like you? You might be like setting something aside for literally legal reasons in California. He has to set it aside, and like it got mixed in with stuff. But I tagged everything, every box with workshop or garage or whatever. It's Petrie's workshop and all this stuff, or the print room or all that. I didn't. I wasn't specific with every every box as to what was inside. Stuff that I was packing inside the house because I had I had my label printer there and I was just like printing them out on a dymo. I was like, yeah, this has a printer and cables and speaker and whatever. Like I was putting that in for the shop. I didn't do that. Do that. First of all, pack your I need to open this box first boxes last and label them. Put in what's in there. Calipers, table saw things, um, measuring tools, screwdrivers. Be as specific as you can on the boxes because trust me, that week or two or three or month or whatever until you open up that box, you're going to be opening up boxes looking for one little thing and it's going to drive you absolutely insane and it's going to lose you hours. So label as much as you can on every box, write things. You don't have to write everything, but if it's like the the controller for your CNCs in this box with other electronics... Write CNC controller on a box so you can see it. So that's my biggest tip is just label as much as you can. Over-label everything. I did want to add something. We touched on this a couple weeks ago when somebody called in with a very similar question. And we kind of debated it. We did like a roundtable on how effective or how useful it would be to look into the cost of moving all your tools versus the cost of selling your tools and buying a new. Selling and yeah, buying because tools. The yeah. cost of moving the yeah, cost that of kind of distance tools, for that sure. distance might supersede or might go over what it would take to sell those tools and buy new. Yeah. Buy new ones. Look yeah. into it. Hundred percent. For sure. Well, we're gonna take a break from the voicemails because we have huge news. This huge. is the huge. biggest news yeah. we've had in well, months. it's been a long time. In in this, it's the biggest news of all episode. Uh, look, we used to do a giveaway here, and it was sponsored by Macbeth. And the good news is, we do again. Macbeth is partnered with the podcast again, and right now it is a monthly giveaway. So we're going to be doing a giveaway again with Macbeth, which is very exciting. We're really glad to have those folks back over here. That was a 
long-term and important relationship to us, and we're really glad to be uh, working with them again. So uh, this first giveaway in the renewed sponsorship with Macbeth. Dan's going to talk about it right now. Dan, Like Mike said, this is going to be a monthly giveaway, and we're going to try to do this giveaway during the first episode of every month. And this would be the first episode of November, so we're starting out hot. And they want to give away. Boom. So Macbeth has their own branded sandpaper now. So they want to give away your choice, six-inch or five-inch disc 50-pack and some CA glue. I think they have their own branded CA glue as well. Nice. Unless I reread, unless I read that email. Yep. No, that so that's yeah, correct. You're gonna get your choice sandpaper and some CA glue, and we're doing the catchphrase thing again, boys and girls. And this catchphrase comes from the pre-show. Ooh. So if you weren't in the pre-show, we had a lot of debate. If you're in the pre-show, first of all, if you're in the pre-show, you get an extra entry into the weekly or no, sorry, the monthly giveaway. You get an extra entry into the giveaway. So if you weren't in there, you missed that code phrase. But there was another one. Special that, code that phrase. Was in contention for being a code phrase for the pre-show. But I wanted to save it for the actual show. And that is liberal Twix. If you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> watch the pre-show. What was that, huh? On YouTube. Whenever on YouTube. Posted. So you need to send... The, the code Twix, phrase yep. liberal <laughs> Twix to our email at awpgiveaway <laughs> at gmail.com. Pete will probably put that email in the notes in case I wasn't very clear when I said it. I bet you he does. Fine. I bet you he does. And next week, next week well, during the pre show, we will pick the winner randomly. So join us in the pre show on the YouTube. Yes. Join us in the pre show. On boom, with boom, the boom. show. Also, Mike, I thought you had, I thought you had a, you were saying you had an intro for it. I tasted like tacos. I did. Later, I did. I actually forgot to write down when we started that talking about that for my timestamp, but I'll find it. It's okay because Dan doesn't talk a ton. So when I start seeing Dan's bar coming up, it's. uh, I can't tell you. You're gonna have to listen to the episode. Uh, (laughs) I'm on the edge of my seat. You're going to have to listen. All right. So let's jump oh, into the last wait. two questions here. We're going to move into these. Uh, this next question is from Andrew Smith. Goes by Crash on his email. Hey, guys. Andrew from Smith Builds on Instagram. Uh, I have a question about dust collection. Seems like that always is part of my concern these days, particularly with a small shop. So I have this Penn State Industries, uh, PSI, Pete knows, uh, <coughs> dust collector that's really powerful, two and a half horsepower, drives a lot of air, but the intake on it is a six inch intake and it comes in the kit with a split to two four inch intakes. Here's my question. I want to wall mount the actual dust collection unit and then direct it into a dust separator, like a thine baffle. And then I want to pipe it to a dust selector system, like uh, Jonathan Katzmosis recently posted to YouTube. Wondering if you have a thought as to a reduction from a 6-inch to a 4-inch, like immediately into that selector, uh, so that I can determine which tool it will direct the suction from for the for the dust collection or if it would be better to leave it as six inch as long as i can in the run before i move it 
to, or, or I, I transition the dust collection to a tube to four inch for the tools. Uh, this would affect a table saw and a planer and possibly a uh, bandsaw and maybe a couple of other larger tools, but the smaller tools would likely have two and a half to, to well, I guess, one and a quarter, whatever it is, uh, that would be equivalent to a shop vac. Curious on your thoughts on how that might affect dust collection or efficiency of dust collection and whether or not I should try and maintain that six inch run as long as possible to include or to increase uh, CFMs. Love the show, guys. Thanks. Please. I'm going to go real quick. Uh, I saw the thine and I opened up my eyes. I saw oh, did he say thine? <laughs> I wrote I wrote down spline. <laughs> so I don't know what a thine. Question mark. <laughs> Fine, no. Uh, to quickly answer your question, uh, you definitely want to have your six-inch size go as long as you possibly can before you throttle that. Uh, the sooner said. you throttle that, the more CFMs you're going to lose. Hey, oh, don't throttle that six-inch. <laughs> uh, so Joe you're going to want to get that thing. As, you're going to want. You're going <laughs> to throttle the six-inch. All right. Uh, no, let me just write this down real quick. Come on, Mike. Uh, <clears throat> Don't throw. Okay. Don't throttle that six inch boy. Um, so if you're, I saw what he's talking about. Jonathan Katz Moses is. Uh, I didn't watch the video, but I saw that thumbnail, and it was basically a slider to choose where, which it's basically a big blast gate, right? And instead of closing the gate, you're moving one side of the hose to a, to go to another hose. Anyways, what it is, uh, I'm sure that thing's really cool. I just can't imagine it's very efficient. I can't imagine that thing sealed up very well and it actually works. I didn't watch the video. Jonathan Katzmoz is very thorough, so it might work very well. But if you have a six-inch port and you immediately drop that thing down to a four-inch, uh, or even if you did the six-inch all the way to that thine baffle and then dropped it to where it connects to the four-inch, you're going to see loss. And But the bottom line is, as long as you're getting the dust collection that you want to see at the tool doesn't matter what that loss equates to. Like we always want to optimize and maximize our suction for our CF for our dust collection, but as long as the you're not getting buildup of of chips in that machine, it doesn't ultimately really matter. So that's kind of what my where I'm at with it. If your machine has enough power to be to reduce down from a six inch to a four inch and still do the job that it needs, that's great. If you have a bunch of four inch tools, you probably don't have machines that are really putting out tons of output for chips anyway. I mean you're you're if you got four inch tool ports they're probably not making that many chips. They're just not. I mean, did you start to get in the five and six inch and eight inch ports on tools? Those are the tools that you need to really worry about big CFM numbers for. So, um, and then the other thing was, uh, there was, some, oh, don't use a dust collector on shop vac ports. They aren't made the same. They're not made to do that. If you have a tool that has a, dot, a shop vac port on it, you need to use a shop vac. That's like the inch and a half to two inch size holes. Um, those have a different, they operate in a different way. A dust collector is just a blower. It's blowing wind. It can move massive amounts of wind, um, but it doesn't have the same kind of suction. And I can't, I can, I ne- always forget what that is called. Um, I always want to say suction it's gravity, velocity. but it's not gravity. gravity. Um, sure. The SV Yeah, but it, it is different. It's, it's, it's moving totally volume it, versus CFM. <clears throat> Which that's yeah, also a bad it's, explanation. Yeah, it's but. like if you like so like anyway, the, the bottom line is like if you put a ball at the end of it, like that weighed ten pounds and over a four inch one, it would probably fall off the dust collector. Um but anyway, 
Don't use the the four inch port, the four inch plus port machines for the, the shop vac ones. Dan, Dan's mad, so I want to hear what Dan has to say. Um, I'm not a thermal dynamic engineer about thine baffles, nor do I even know what a thine baffle is. So I'm sure whatever Mike said is. Nor do great. I know what a baffle is. I'm pretty <laughs> baffled as to what's as to what it is going on here. Pete, back to you. So, um, I have the same dust collector. Uh, yes, I'm going to pair it this part. Run the six Pen inch. is state. Pen is state. Uh, yep. Pen is, <laughs> pen five. Pen is state. <laughs> pen um, is state industries. It's, it's a, it's a weirdly good dust collector for the price and the no name brand, which used to Does be Does that come from like, Harbor Freight? No, it's it was like a a solid brand. They're still around. They just do like industrial stuff. So it was them trying to get into like garage level whatever's. But that thing works remarkably well for how cheap it is. Like way better than the I had a a, a Delta one for a while, and it this has better CFMs than that does. Anyways, run to six inches long as you can. Uh, long as possible if you're trying to build something like what uh, uh, jonathan katz moses built run the six inch right into it and then use that as a splitter however that being said i don't recommend that because there's going to be times that you want to run two ports at the same time or two tools and you can't do that with his system it's just all coming out of that one so you got to figure out which one's going to be open uh, which I think is a kind of a big drawback. Um, what I would say is maybe divide your shop into two sections, and if you want to make that baffle, uh, whatever they call that, something baffle, um, make two of those. Fine. Th- yeah, fine baffle. Uh, but honestly, I'm a big fan of uh, run to six inch <laughs> as long as you can, and then set up blast gates as close to the tools as possible. You want to make sure you're getting good runs and good suction, uh, don't cut back on it. That being said, I have the same dust collector right now, and one is hard plumbed just temporarily until I get my next dust collector. It's hard plumbed into my uh, my table saw with a blast gate on it, and then the other one is running on a blue dust right hose that I got from Rockler, and that's how I'm running a lot of that stuff. I will be replacing that because it doesn't do a good job. A lot of these tools, it's fine, but some of them, like my joiner, my my planer and my table saw that thing barely keeps up it does but it also fills up super fast so run hard pipe as big a size as possible as long as you can um and it's a great one but maybe honestly depending on the size of your shop look into another one for the other size of the side of the shop i've considered that too even one of those wall hanging ones just to not do as long of a run because as nice as that thing is it's not that powerful you're losing. You're leaving a lot of suction on the table, right, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I do want to say something though, real quick. Yeah. Uh, that th- so, my opinion of this is from a, a shop where like this is my job. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, if you're if this is like more of a hobby, that thine baffle thing is super cool, and if it will work for your shop. I think you should totally do it because it's cool, man. Like it looks cool. It's a neat project. You're going to have fun building it. And if you're not like trying to like run your shop to like pay the bills and, or, you know, even if just like have fun money and stuff, like if you're not like really trying to like push every ounce of productivity out of your tools, 
that thing's not going to do it, but it is a cool thing to build. And I think you'll have fun building it. And it's a really cool way to switch your tool suction around. So have fun building it if that's what you want to do. Good point. Totally do it. Um, and then this next question is from Nick Pachi. We haven't heard from Nick in a while. We were certain he was dead. Hey, guys. Nick with the Working Green. You know, it's been a really long time since I've called in. Yes, it has. Um, but I'm back, and a lot has changed since the last time I called in. Uh, my wife and I recently purchased a new home, and with it comes a brand spanking new shop. It's a lot more space than I'm used to, but it's not an infinite amount of space. Um, so I'm curious as to what your guys' best space-saving trick is in the shop. Thanks, guys. Dan, what's your best space-saving trick? <laughs> everything on wheels, everything uh, on flip-top carts if you can. I think flip-top carts are probably the best space-saving trick of all time. Yep. I mean, like a bandsaw and a one space. Price. One space for two tools. I mean, that's brilliant. Uh, I say that not having any flip-top carts, I should probably build some. But that's probably a really great space-saving trip. Uh, trick? Trip. Tri- trick. It's a trick. Turning tricks. Truck or treat. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, wheels. Wheels on everything. That way you can just kind of push it where, wherever you need. Um, that's that's all I got, Nick. Sorry. Pete? You were in a small shop once. Yes, I was. Uh, so two tips that I'll have is, well, Dan stole my one of them. Uh, so three tips. The flip-top carts are great. Anytime you can double up on space. It's great. And every time, anytime you can't, if the tool's on a bench or a cart or something, everything below it is storage. Don't just have a framed out two by four base on it. No, it's storage. It's shelves, it's drawers, whatever. Yes. Put something there, dedicate it. Um, <clears throat> but the, the two real tips are horizontal storage. Fill up every, every inch of my shop was filled on the walls at my own place. Because that was the only real storage I had. So utilize any storage you have vertically, or if you have a shed of some kind, or a spa- another space that you can put, let's say just lumber or sheet goods, do that. But go vertical. Go vertical, use the ceiling, all that stuff. Um, but the real big tip is, giggity, use the garage door. It's a fourth wall of your shop. I know it opens up. As long as your car doesn't go into the shop, all you need is about a four-foot walking space. Just use that as a wall. Put tools up against it. I have a bunch of tools up against my my garage doors. I did at the old place. That's actually how I stored all my uh, plywood sheet goods. I would open up the garage door, lean them up against all the big, heavy standing tools like a bandsaw, drill press, uh, and a lathe. And they just sat there. And that was great plywood storage. And it utilized that fourth wall. And it gave me an extra wall of tools. So utilize that. Mike? Um, yeah, just build as many shelves. Take advantage of every vertical surface you can on your walls and put cabinets up or fixtures up to hold things. I don't really have much. I mean, keep things mobile, I suppose. I actually don't – I like having things be mobile, but I also don't like having to utilize the mobility of tools because I just – Really like to have things in the. I don't like spending the time pulling a tool out to use it. Like, yeah, I get obviously, that. you know, dream scenario is not to have to move any tool. They all have all the space they need to be able to operate them. So if you are have a tight space, you're gonna have to utilize wheels and uh, 
casters and stuff. So um, try to make your space so you can minimize the amount of times you have to move tools to use them because that's just lost productivity. Uh, but again, if you're not, you know, running a business, who cares? Just get out there to have fun and chill out. I mean, you're not thinking about it the same way. You're thinking about it like, I'm going to go out here. If this takes 35, 40 minutes to play in a few boards, who cares? It's just me having a fun time out here. So just go enjoy it. So if it's your, if you're running a business, you want to start thinking about those things. But um, yeah, I mean, find as many things as you can. I just ordered uh, these silicone holders for my saw blades to hang on the side of my saw, my table saw. They're like to hold the 10 inch blades. I saw, I think it was James Wesley Furniture who showed them. And I was like, why don't I have those? I got my blades laying around all over the place. Or, you know, I saw carbide on carbide pull out drawer. Yeah, you got carbide hitting carbide. I think, Pete, you have the drawer where you pull it yeah. out. It's got the dowel. Like and Dan, little, you might too, where you have the blades yeah. sitting there. Yeah. I, I need to make something like that too. Like, like put spacers between the, them. Because, yeah, carbide on carbide, could you could damage it. Yeah, but the, the point is, is like, uh, utilize the negative space in your shops. Like, if you got a big jointer, like I got my big jointer, I got these big wings underneath there with tons of open space. I have cabinets that fit under there, and I just throw tons of crap in those cabinets. Yeah. Uh, I've got data stacks. I've got, you know, templates. I got all kinds of stuff just thrown in there. And it, it's not all over my horizontal surfaces, which, you know, we all love horizontal surfaces for working on. So it sucks when you got a pile of tools on top yeah. of your workbench or your outfit or whatever. It's just a mess. And so, I, I think this is really anyways. important for like 90% of our listeners or 80%, like a pretty high number of this is a garage for them, which means there's Tool, yeah. there's not just tools, but there's toys, there's bikes, there's household items, whatever. You know, get get like a husky rack. Get honestly, I know this is a pricey option, and like I have the lev rack system. I work with them now, and it's fantastic. Like it's it's honestly such a, a space saver. But get a husky rack. Get some proper shelving for that garage, so you can utilize every inch of that space. Especially, so you know, put all the yeah. household items in there, so you don't have to deal with them being out in the open. I mean, guys in like a garage shop aren't going to buy a lev rack no, system. No, but, but like, I mean, those are like unless those are like seven grand. But those, those are like if you got a business, but, but like the any sort of rack, any sort of rack is like get racking helpful. <laughs> get, get a nice set of rack. Well, because racks um, are way cheaper than like shelves. Like uh, cabinets I like and the, stuff. Uh, I like the point of use your negative space, build cabinets that go under all negative space. your jointer or your table saw wing, or you know, don't leave any space <laughs> underneath of something open. Utilize it, and then you know, build. You something can really cram it. stuff in there. It's crazy. Create content. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Use your ceiling yep. if it's low. Content. Exactly. Hang stuff off of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Use every space too. you can. You just got to really take advantage of it. Uh, I guess that's it for questions. I don't guess that is it for questions. <laughs> Thanks everyone for uh, writing in. Uh, what Pete? No, just you taking something? the guesswork out of it. I just because. <laughs> oh, <laughs> back to you. No, uh, that was good. Uh, no, uh. Thanks everyone for writing in. We are, you know, we recorded early this week because I got family coming in. We got. We're coming into the holiday season, I think. We're probably going to have a few schedule changes over the next few yep. weeks. I would imagine we're all going to have family Christmas. things going on. Um, I think we kind of discussed it. Uh, we'll just talk about it. I mean, we haven't talked about me, – me, Dan, and Pete haven't talked about it 100%. But I think we kind of decided that we're going to skip the last week of the year uh, Don't, don't the be show. one week skipped 
in around the holidays. Well, we just yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be gone in Montana. I need. I, I really need a vacation. I'm starting to really feel it. I think once the shop gets running and I have like three weeks behind me in the shop, I'm gonna need that week off pretty bad from everything. I just need to disconnect. Really we might bad. do some Instagram um, lives to supplement it or something, you know. But we'll no, we will for yeah. sure. We, we'll we'll miss you. I mean, for, I know that. Just not. I know. I know for a fact for Dan and Pete and myself, this is really like part of our week yeah. now, and it's really cathartic for us. So like we. We probably we might not do a show. Maybe we'll do something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But just know over the next few weeks, the schedule is going to kind of bounce around a bit. It's like we're all going to be dealing with fam- not dealing with. We're all going to be. Yeah, it's going to be loosey goosey. But you know, next week will will be Thursday. We got Graz. Well, I got to confirm that. But we got Graz coming on the show with Graz makes. He works over at Total Boat. I believe he's still with Carolina as well. Not hundred percent on that. But uh, but he's over at Total Boat for sure. We'll find that out next week. Uh, so it'll be good to talk to him. So big thanks to every one of you guys. Uh, also, thanks to Macbeth for coming back for the giveaway. Guys, really help us out. If you shared in your stories how excited you are that Macbeth is back on the giveaway train with the AWP. So that really help us out. Uh, they really would like to see how the response is. And if we can get them a good enough response, I think we're going to get more than once a month for the giveaways. So let's see what we can do there. Yep, yep. Um, and then keep, keep sharing the show. Go check us all out on social media. Uh, check out the Etsy stores. The boys' Etsy stores are up. Go give them some love. Buy some stuff from them. And uh, I think that's kind of it. Let's get out of this thing. You guys have a good night. Talk to you later. Love you long Bye. Love you night. Love you long time. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.